Welcome to this worship service coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We're glad that you have joined us on this July 4th weekend. We trust that you have enjoyed your celebration and we are so glad that you have joined us today to experience uh, this service of worship and to exercise our freedom to worship in this time and in this space. We encourage you today to make sure to have with you some elements of communion, some bread and some juice or wine to be with you such that when we come to that time in our service, you can partake of these holy elements that they may become for you the feast of heaven. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it and let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God.
Hear the words of the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me and has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. As our wonderful quartet sings, O beautiful for spacious skies, enjoy the red, white, and blue pictures of some of your Church of the Palms members. Let us worship God. God is ever more ready to hear than we are to pray. God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. Relying on the love of God, we pray our confession. God, we do not understand our own actions. We turn away from the good we are intent on doing. Yet we find wisdom in your law. We delight in the idea of mutual caring and celebrating life together but we get bogged down in our own concerns. We are too busy to seek community and too preoccupied to ponder your will for us. We go our own way, 
cutting ourselves off from you and one another. O oh God, help us to put away this sin. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord hears our prayers. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We now affirm our faith together through the reciting of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now we have arrived to the part of our worship service where we pass the peace of the Lord to one another. Those of you who are at home, please greet those who are near you. And those of you who are not near those you want to wish, you may text or you may call them and say, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Well, again, a happy 4th of July weekend. We are glad that you have joined us here in worship at Church of the Palms. We were so tickled to see all those red, white, and blue pictures from our Church of the Palms members, and we encourage you to always celebrate in the great freedom that we experience in this country. We have been going long and hard here at Church of the Palms with so many different ministries, and we're grateful that the good Lord has allowed us that opportunity. Our food pantry has continued, and we thank so many of you who responded to our uh, effort to provide more volunteers for the food pantry. We were able to take care of all the different positions this week. We still need help, so please go to the website, to the homepage, hit the serve button, and you will find the opportunity to sign up, whether to, to put food into people's cars or to help us pack, lots of different opportunities for you. We would love to have you with us from age 16 and above. Uh, even if you are above 65 and feel that you're able-bodied, you're welcome to come join us. Our Palms Preschool has 70 kids still uh, in, in, in attendance, and we're grateful to be able to serve our community in that way. Samaritan Counseling is seeing people. Day of Hope is still scheduled for July the 18th, so we are grateful that we continue to be able to serve our community. A couple of things for you to be aware of, for you to maybe connect with other Church of the Palms members. We have our sermon feedback 
uh, Zoom call that you can join us on on Mondays at 10 a.m. You can come and talk to the pastor, the preacher of the day, and maybe with others who join us on that call to think about what uh, ramifications the message might have for our lives. And then on Friday, we have another Zoom call to gather people together to talk about our readings through the Gospel of Mark, the More Good News series. So come and join us for that. That's noon on Fridays. And in both of these, you have the chance to sign up by going to our website and scroll down the homepage and you'll see the opportunity to sign up. And then we're looking uh, still ahead to July the 20th, where we'll have the chance to reflect on the book Strength to Love, written by Martin Luther King Jr., a chance for us to think more about perhaps how the Church of the Palms can take a lead in seeking to bring about racial reconciliation. Today, we are about ready to receive communion in the next few minutes, and we encourage you to make sure to get some communion elements and have those available, bread or wine and juice, and, and we would love to have you uh, be ready to join us in that time of communion. We are uh, grateful for the work that's been done. We have a new lift that has been put in and we are thankful. It took forever, but we're grateful it's done. So we hope that uh, when you, we all get back in here that uh, those of you who need access uh, to the uh, chancel that you will, have, you will have that available and it will be an uh, opportunity for you to be able to pass without any, any concern. Also, you'll notice that we have different stations where people are doing different parts of the service. This is for us to provide a little bit extra level of caution for our worship leaders so they are not speaking from the same places and they are staying uh, socially distanced from each other. So uh, we uh, are grateful that we have this chance to worship and to present worship to you, but we want to do it in the safest way possible. Let's now continue our worship. A free bird leaps on the back of the wind and floats downstream till the current ends and dips his wing in the orange sun rays and dares to claim the sky. But a bird that stalks down his narrow cage can seldom see through his bars of rage. His wings are clipped and his feet are tied. So he opens his throat to sing. The caged bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown, but longed for still. And his tune is heard on the distant hill for the caged bird sings of freedom. The free bird thinks of another breeze and the trade winds soft through the sighing trees, and the fat worms waiting on a dawn-bright lawn. And he names the sky his own, but a caged bird stands on the grave of dreams. His shadow shouts on a nightmare scream. His wings are clipped, and his feet are tied. So he opens his throat to sing. The caged bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still. And his tune is heard on the distant hill for the caged bird sings of freedom.
There is a balm in Gilead. And if ever there was a time in this world and in our country for such a balm to be administered, it is now. And how grateful we are as a church to be able to provide in whatever small ways that we can the balm of Gilead in this community and in our nation. We're grateful for how you have supported us in that effort Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required, and much is required these days. We are grateful for all the many opportunities as I listed them earlier, and pray that you will continue to support us as we seek to be Jesus' light and healing balm in the world. Your support is so important to us, especially now in these summer months, and ask that you may find ways by which to wonder how it is that you are being uh, called forth to be a help to our effort. You see the giving opportunities on your screen, and we thank you in advance for what you will do to allow our ministry to continue to shine. Let us now reflect in these moments our gratitude.
Let us pray. God of love, we give you thanks for the people worshiping with us today, whether they are in, here in Sarasota or across the globe, and also for their generous gifts toward your kingdom. We pray that these will be multiplied to bring relief to those who suffer from hunger, those who cannot meet their basic needs, and those who need a hand extended to them in Christian love. We pray that you will use your gentle guiding hand to show us how to best provide for your people, O Lord, in this season that is stretching all of us in so many ways, and in this season that is requiring us to be creative in order to help our neighbor. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Good morning, children. I would like to say good morning on this very beautiful Sunday and like to wonder that some of you or all of you, hopefully all of you have celebrated the 4th of July or the Independence Day or our freedom of the country yesterday on the 4th of July. And today we celebrate God's love and God's love which actually comes in this bread and juice, which we call the communion. This was basically Jesus' last dinner or supper with his friends and 12 disciples. And Jesus said, every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, remember me. So every time we remember Jesus, we remember God's love, which reminds us that God loves us always and all the time. So in another sense, I'd like you to remember when you eat your meal every day, think about how much God loves you and which is always the same. Since you're way over there or somewhere else and I'm here, let me pray for us. Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving God, we thank you for loving us all the time. We thank you for loving us regardless of how we are, who we are, where we have come from, and where we are going. Teach us to love one another and our neighbors, and teach us to love you even more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My name's Olivia Mason, and I'm going into my senior year at Venice High. Today's lesson comes from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought him an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. She then continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for them both. Now which of them will love him more, Simon answered. I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. Did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence she has shown great love, but the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Olivia. 
We are continuing in our sermon series on the spiritual disciplines and living well and how is it that we might balance our lives in such a way that we may live the abundant life. We have looked in the past at uh, prayer and solitude and study and the discipline of fasting, which Miggy preached on last week. And today we're looking at the spiritual discipline of submission, not necessarily the kind of thing that everybody wants to think about. How do we better submit ourselves? But this is one of the great uh, disciplines of the Christian life, and we will be focusing on that in these next few minutes. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, where we pray this in his name. Amen. One of the great rites of passage in American adolescence is the moment when you get handed your first set of keys to the car. When you are given the chance to sit in the driver's seat and put your hands on the steering wheel, this may be even a universal thing, I don't know, but there comes this time for millions and millions of youth where they get handed those keys and given the freedom to take the family car into their own hands. I remember three distinct moments in my middle teen years when I was handed three separate and distinct sets of keys to the car. The first set of keys I received were my father's keys, which he handed to me back when I only had a permit to drive. Adults were needed to be in the car when I drove, so he entrusted me with the responsibility, I'm sure I begged for him for this chance, to, to drive the family car with the family in it on Christmas Day to Grandma and Grandpa's house two states over. I thought I was the bee's knees taking my place behind the wheel with all six hours of driver's ed in my system. I was now given the freedom to pilot our family down Interstate 55 through Illinois on the way to Kansas City. No problemo. Until about an hour later when due to my inexperience, I lost control of the car, hit a telephone pole, totaled the car, and put my mother in the hospital for a couple of days with some broken bones. That was how I handled the responsibility that came with being handed that first set of keys. The second set of keys came two days later in, when in my mother's hospital room we were opening the smashed and crinkled Christmas gifts we had managed to pry out of the mangled trunk of the car I had just totaled, gifts my mother had wrapped pre-trip for us to open once we got to Grandma and Grandpa's, where we, of course, never got to go, thanks to moi. I couldn't figure out what this little package was in the bottom of my stocking until I opened it, and sure enough, there they were, the keys to the car I had just sent to an early junkyard grave. That's the last set of keys you're going to get, my father said, in jest. I thank God we had the kind of family that could see the humor in life's little ironies. The third set of keys were the keys my father gave me a few months later to the new car he had had to purchase in the wake of my rookie wreck. He handed this new set of keys to me, my very own set, after I had nervously passed my driver's test. And as he handed them to me, and I reluctantly received them, he graciously said, Steve, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. I suppose that's what loving parents do. They give you another chance. Now, it's not the first time I've told that story to some of you. It obviously was a life-altering experience, maybe even a Damascus Road experience, perhaps. And I, I imagine it was because at least three things came together for me in that season of misfortune. And, and the three experiences were these. The, the thrilling feel of freedom followed by the heavy burden of responsibility followed by the transformative surprise of grace.
The thrill of freedom being handed those keys, the heavy burden of responsibility, perceived or unperceived, that comes with getting behind the wheel, and the transformative surprise of grace when you're given a new set of keys. I suppose a lot of life has to do with how we hold on to those things, those three things, the thrill of freedom, the burden of responsibility, and the surprise of grace. So in our lesson today, Jesus gets invited to dinner. He's invited to dinner by a Pharisee named Simon, and, and who should follow in right behind Jesus for this dinner but a, a woman, a, a woman whom Luke describes as a woman from the city, a sinner. Now, now we can't be sure exactly what Luke is saying here. Some believe that she may have been a prostitute. So, so at dinner, Jesus sits now in between a Pharisee, a holier-than-thou Pharisee, and a prostitute, a woman whose misfortunate choices are out there for everyone to see. Now, the two table mates of Jesus are, in this moment, free to do whatever they please. And Jesus is, is free to do whatever he pleases as well. So the woman exercises her freedom by acting upon a previous and surprising grace. She has received earlier, we can suppose, words of absolution from Jesus, and with that freedom that she's received, she's now taken on the, the joyful burden of worshiping and adoring the source of her freedom. She weeps tears of joy. She kisses Jesus' feet and anoints Jesus with her greatest treasure, sweet and expensive ointment. With, with surprising grace has come this thrill of freedom, and with the thrill of freedom comes this burden of responsibility, and with the burden of responsibility, she turns it into the joy of channeling grace into service. Now the Pharisee, on the other hand, when he observes the presence of this morally suspicious person, exercises the freedom given to him, he thinks, by the law, by condemning not only the woman, but Rabbi Jesus, who's let her in to begin with. His allegiance is to the law. His responsibility, he thinks, is to call the fouls. And if there's any grace, he's going to hold on to that for himself. And then Jesus exercises his freedom, his license, to look at this woman, perhaps with righteousness even holier than the Pharisees, even maybe has the right to inflict upon her the condemnation of divine judgment, but Jesus, with his freedom, bathes her with more grace and takes up the responsibility of advocating for her in the face of Simon's unsparing judgment. Three people inherently free to do whatever they want. One makes it his responsibility to judge, the other makes it her responsibility to worship, and the other makes it his responsibility to forgive, to advocate, and to restore. Three people who in their freedom are driven by three internal sets of principles about what they think life is all about. It's the human condition. We are free, as always, to respond to life circumstances in whatever way we choose, to be persons, to be shaped by a set of ideas about what we think life is about, and we exercise our freedom in expressing what we believe the world is all about. The Pharisee, shaped by the law, judges. The woman, shaped by grace, worships. And Jesus, the incarnate God, forgives, advocates, and restores. All three driven by principles to which they had previously submitted. Which takes us to our discipline of the week, which as I said earlier, is submission. Because you see, with the gift of freedom comes this decision over what will be the set of ideas to which we will submit ourselves. With the gift of freedom comes the choice of what you will submit yourself to. We think often that freedom is the absence of submission, but the truth is we all submit ourselves to some set of ideas or principles and we consciously or unconsciously obey them. With freedom, 
freedom comes the choice of what we're going to submit ourselves to, to our own whims, to our own pocketbooks, to our own prejudices, to our own politics, to our own values, to our own people, to our own party, to our, our own, our own, our own. Or will we submit ourselves to some greater authority, an authority beyond ourselves? I guess it started back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve given the freedom of the garden and to do with it whatever they please. And oh, by the way, just, just stay away from that tree. You're free to do whatever you want, but best to stay away from that tree. But even so, you're free to do that too. With freedom comes this choice over to whom you will submit. And the first man and the first woman submit to their own whims and scripture says it's been downhill ever since. So when a kid gets handed the keys, with those keys comes the choice of what she will submit herself to, the rules of the road, the whims of her friends, the thrill of reckless speed, the speed limit signs, the red, yellow, and green of traffic signals, the well-being of other drivers, the crossing pedestrians. What will be the guiding influence? The hardest form of exercise is the exercise of our freedom. Great consequences flow from the choice we make as to what principles we will submit ourselves to. Which of course is the July 4th question. The question that every American is led to ask in our Declaration of Independence and our Pledge of Allegiance to the Flag, what then will we do with our freedom? What responsibility are we willing to take? What person or thing are we willing to submit ourselves to? What choices will I make to exercise my freedom? What religion will I freely choose? What, I, what will I freely do when I freely place myself at the table? What responsibility will I bear? I suppose we already have the answer to the question every time we pledge allegiance to the flag. Ever since kindergarten, I have pledged allegiance to the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. With this freedom I have been given, symbolized by the flag, I pledge liberty and justice for all. What do we do with our freedom what responsibility do we bear with our freedom to pursue liberty and justice for all? It's as clear as the nose on our faces. It's been the very thing our nation has aspired to do, albeit with terrible detours along the way. It has been the very thing we have sought to do from the very moment that Thomas Jefferson set his pen to paper and wrote, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that we, that we are endowed, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Jefferson wrote that as a slaveholder, so from the very beginning we have been dealing with the tragic ironies and hypocrisies of this aspiration. Nevertheless, the pledge wraps it in one phrase with liberty and justice for all. That with freedom comes the pursuit of justice for all. That all may never be enslaved by our preconceived notions and opinions and limited experience, but that the experiment of America is how to make sure we all have a fair shot, that we all get the same opportunity, that we all get treated in the same way, that we cannot fully celebrate our freedom until all can fully celebrate freedom what a great responsibility to bear, to be the instruments of grace in this hard world, to do whatever I need to do to make sure that my brother and sister are given a chance to advocate for the ones that others are apt to put into their place. Liberty for all means justice for all, justice for all, which means in Jesus' book, grace for all. To take the keys from Jesus, and pass them on 
to let others have the wheel. It makes me think of the encounter John Lewis had with Elwin Wilson. Maybe you remember the story, U.S. Representative John Lewis, African-American, long before he was a congressman, was an activist for civil rights and was a freedom writer back in 1961 who exercised his freedom by partnering with a white friend to ride a bus into the Deep South. At a bus stop along the way, they got out of the bus and were met by an angry white mob and were beaten for daring to cross legal segregation lines. Elwin Wilson was the chief beater who left John Lewis and his friend bloody and broken. Fast forward 50 years when it dawns on Elwin Wilson that the man he had beaten was now a U.S. congressman and that the world had changed and that he had been so very wrong so long ago. Ah, but that was 50 years ago. We shouldn't worry about 50 years ago. That's ancient history, right? No, with freedom comes responsibility. So the former segregationist shows up in the congressman's office in Washington, D.C. and begs for John Lewis's forgiveness, begs for grace, begs for another chance. And the victim, the bearer of those wounds of long ago, what will he do with those wounds? What will he do with his freedom? With freedom comes responsibility. So what do you do when you're John Lewis? You forgive, you reconcile, you build back the bridge. And for the remaining days of Elwin Wilson's life, he joined John Lewis in together crying out for justice, with liberty and justice for all. Don't you wonder if sometimes when big things happen at the same time that they beg a bigger question? And don't you wonder if the pandemic of COVID and the eruption of racial tension don't come to us at the same time, if only to beg us to ask a bigger question. And maybe the question is about the justice of Jesus. That should it be the health of my neighbor or the racist realities faced by my black friends that with my liberty, comes this responsibility for my neighbor. That instead of sitting back and coming up with all the reasons for why things are the way they are, that the first move is for grace. The first responsibility is grace. The first burden we bear from the freedom we've been given is liberty and justice for all. To listen to the cry of the caged bird. To find together the key to unlock the door. And maybe that's the choice we get at this table today. The body broken, the blood shed freely for the forgiveness of our sins. Who sins? My sins, your sins, the world's sins. Can we call it the freedom table? But now what are we going to do with the freedom? What submission will we make and to which master? And what pledge of allegiance will we claim? With liberty and justice for all. The hardest form of exercise is the exercise of our freedom.
friends, we all are invited to the freedom table. We are freely invited and our passage here is free by the grace of God. So we rejoice that we have heard along the way that we are invited. And we wonder about those who have not heard, those who wonder if they are invited. So we gather today to receive this food, not for ourselves, but that we might be sustained and empowered to go out and invite all to the freedom that we know in Jesus Christ and the justice that Jesus expects for all. So come, that you may once again hear the gracious words of our Lord and Savior, intended not only for you, but through you, on the way to a world that hurts and yearns for grace and justice. Here are the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received with the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When you drink of it, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again and he will come again. Let us pray. Holy God, with joy we give you thanks and praise to you, for you spoke the word into and became flesh in Jesus. We give you thanks to you for being with us all through our lives, even now in the midst of COVID-19 pandemic. We lift up all those in need of your care in body, mind, and soul. Great God, Remembering your gracious acts in Jesus, we take this bread and this wine and celebrate his dying and rising as we await the day of his coming. We thank you and we give you our thanks and offer our very selves to you to be a living and holy sacrifice dedicated in your service for the good of all. Now we bring all our prayers to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We trust that you have made available for yourself elements of, for communion, bread and juice or wine. And now we invite you to partake of both elements as we all come to the same table, knowing that Christ has welcomed us on our way to us welcoming others. Come to the feast.
let us pray. Father, as we have received these gifts of bread and wine, you have fed us with the spiritual food of the body and blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for assuring us of your goodness and love and that we are members of your body. Renew us by your Holy Spirit, we pray. Unite us in the body of your Son and bring us with all your people into the joy of your eternal kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.